right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 79 for Monday, April 2nd, 2012. I am Bill Wadman. And I'm Dan Gottesman. That's a new one today. What's that? Your little uh, speaking affect just then. Oh, sorry. I get bored sometimes. <laughs> right at the beginning? That's not a good sign. No, no, of doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, I see. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was up um, at uh, Heather's family's house yesterday. Uh, not her direct family, but her extended family. Mm. It was a Conrad day. Apparently, mm. they're going to start having these things more often. Mm. Uh, so I met a bunch of people I never knew. And uh, that included two kids, uh, eight and 12 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were downstairs playing video games. And then one of them came up and, you know, I introduced myself, whatever. And I was like, what are you playing down there? Like, uh, are, you, are you console gamers, whatever? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're playing Skyrim. Mm-hmm. I've heard of this Skyrim. It's not a console game. Right. Well, actually, it is. They have it for consoles, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, shows what I know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess it's supposed to be really big on PCs, right? Well, yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of those porg, you know, massive multiplayer online role-playing games. Yeah, okay. Well, appara- um, yeah, apparently on uh, on the console, it's all CPU-based. Like, it's all... Oh, so it's just like single-player mode? Yeah. Ah. Anyway, so I go down, and I'm thinking a game called Skyrim, because mm-hmm. I haven't... I'm not a big gamer, but I've heard of the game because I know that a lot of people play it. Uh, it's like a big, it's a big benchmark game for when websites are like saying like, look at what this new GPU can do. Sure. Um, so I go downstairs and thinking Skyrim sounds like a space thing to me. It does. It does. I, I when I hear Skyrim, I think, oh, this is like some sort of sci-fi thing where there's going to be planes or planets or missiles yeah. or lasers. Yeah. Of some I, sort. I figured things would be made out of chrome. Yeah, you know? shiny. Yeah. I, like, I like that. Uh, and it turns out that is nothing of the sort. Yep. The Skyrim is a fantasy thing. It's like yep. Game of Thronesy kind of stuff. Yep. Medieval horses, armor, yeah. swords. Had had no idea. Yep. But the thing that I found was interesting about this was that he sh- he's, you know, there. Do you, ever, do you remember being a kid at that age and then some adult asks you about something and you kind of give them way too much information? Sure. I'd still do that, dude. <laughs> so the kids were like, oh, uh, yeah, and this guy is part of this clan, and there are 12 different clans. The different clans are blah, 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 you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Which, you know, is fine, you know. But here's the thing is that most of the information he was giving me was not at all, like, sort of the important information. Right. As far as I'm concerned, you know, because mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. name those different things. Okay, there's 12 different groups. That's all you need to know. I don't need to mm-hmm. know what they are, you know. Right. Sure. Uh, but, you know, there are – you you get it, gain experience by fighting things. You go back somewhere. You level up. You, mm-hmm. you carry an inventory. You could swap out, you know, armor, and, and you slow down the more stuff you carry, which is actually kind of a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, you, you get – like hit points essentially you know when you somebody attacks you it goes down you also have like spell points so you can you know do your spell and then they go up over time but you can also drink potions to make those go up and the thing that gets me is that all Mm -hmm. of this stuff is exactly the same concepts it's the same gameplay essentially as i was doing in bard's tale in 1985 
Yeah, dude. Or Dungeons and Dragons on paper and pe- with exactly. you know, paper and pencils and stuff. And like it just, that. it's just—it's not- just kind of funny how it's like you have all this power and all this kind of stuff, but essentially it's the same exact game. But dude, you can say you, we can make that same exact claim about photography, art, music, pop music. No, uh, Come on, no, of, of think course, about pop I'm, music. I'm, not, for a I'm second. not saying that this is distinctly whatever. I just—I guess I just mean that the the capabilities of these things have gone through the roof. But essentially, all they're doing is putting more. Uh, it's 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 like more frosting on the cake, but the cake is exactly the same. Hmm. You know, I just I, I like just fa- I, just, I, I, I you know parrots don't like cake. Yeah, who doesn't like cake? <laughs> Apparently, parrots don't like cake. Yeah, uh, that's a meme. No, if it is, I just started it. So you heard it here, folks. First, <laughs> folks, you heard it here, folks. First, um, and I guess that got me thinking about the fact that. Uh, these console games are getting more and more complex, right? They become these things that take you 12 hours just to get used to the world that you're walking around in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that a lot of people are gaming on these simpler things. They're gaming on their phones. They're gaming on their iPads or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing Angry Birds and draw something, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, like, I guess it's it's almost as if the gaming culture has cleaved in the middle. Cleaved, huh? You know that, that that there's that there's this this world of people who want to play more advanced stuff that's more complicated and more immersive, and then there's other people who just want to play while they're waiting in line at the grocery store. Hmm. Um, and 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 most gaming systems, I mean, Pong was something simple you could sit down and play at, or Space mm-hmm. Invaders. But sure. ever since Nintendo on, it 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 took more than five seconds for you to start playing a lot of games. You know. Somebody drops you in the Legend of Zelda, you need to, you know, you're going to need to walk around for a little bit to figure out what's going on. Okay. You know? um, and I just think that it's interesting that now that super simple gaming is coming back as this huge thing. See, I, I personally don't see it that way. Okay. How do you see it? <laughs> well, I, I see it as it's kind of been that way the whole time. Um, I, 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 I'll kind of come back to this, this point that I was making before, that gaming is just like any other form of media entertainment like music, television, movies, um, etc. And you can make the same analysis and the same analogies and parallels to any of those um, to gaming, you know. I mean, think so let's let's take music for a quick second, right? Yep. So uh, there are lots and lots of different kinds of music. Um, from classical music, and then within that genre, you know, you have like we'll have like show tunes and opera, and and you know, um, heavy you know heavier stuff, and then there's jazz, and then and then you know, and then there's heavy metal music, and then there's folk music, sure. pop music, and if I'll bet you, and you, well, you could probably speak to this since you you know worked in the record store, you have have some idea of what the the numbers are like with those genres, or like let's just let's just first for argument's sake. Less let's take jazz a, and a, classical, more well, pop let's just, and rock. Well, let's just take a, a, a slice, so to speak, uh, you know, a step back in time to when you were paying attention to that stuff. And, and what, what, what was the breakdown? I mean, surely they were minorities, like the average person who walks into a record store to buy something. Yeah. Um, the, the, the majority of the people were, were buying what? Yeah, it's probably 60%, 70% rock and pop. Right. And then, and, At and the then time, the more, probably 15% country, but country's probably now 30%, you know? Right. But I guess what I'm saying is that, like... Before these simple games on your phone, that 
it's it's sort of like the simple games have come back digitally. No, dude. The they, simple the simple games have haven't gone anywhere. Okay, I could tell you this. Okay, from people were playing experience. on a Game Boy. Is what you're saying? There's Game Boys, and then before yep. Game Boys, when I was a little kid, and the, granted, these were these were not as common here in the States, but they were around. You mean the little LCD games? Nintendo, Game & Watch. Yep, I uh, I used to play, uh, third grade, somebody yeah. had in one the, in like third in grade. In the 80s, in the yep. 80s. They were all about the 80s, and, and they were, dude, those were, uh, that's as simple as it gets, man. There's the, no, no, there's no, the no, Mickey Mouse catching the eggs game, there's Popeye but catching the But my mother spinach, and my sister weren't you know? playing those. You know what mo- I mean? Right, exactly. Just, you know, just like... You know, it, there's only one person in the household buying the opera CD, you know, or one person buying that, you know, that jazz CD. It's not it's not yeah. for everybody. It's it's minority gaming. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, but I guess. So uh, OK, I guess my point is, is that back then that was mm-hmm. the best you could get. Right. There really wasn't cool stuff that you could walk around with. I thought that was cool. What are you it, talking about? No, no, no. I, it, what I'm saying was that w- that was as cool as it got. You know, this little thing that ran on a couple of watch batteries that had LCD right. screens. Of course. Yes. And and the gamer people use that. What I'm saying is that, like, now everyone's listening to opera. To, oh, you to, think, to use you your analogy. Now, now it's, okay, so now you're saying that, that everybody's 30 million people are playing Draw Something or whatever this game is, right? You know, like, mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. Not, that's not gamers. That's every man, as it were. I see what you're saying. You know. So mm-hmm. it's it's almost as if it, the 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 demographic breakup that you're talking about. So all has, of a sudden, so everybody go- started buying Miles Davis kind of blue. Exactly. Example. Yeah. <laughs> which kind of which kind of yeah. happened actually? I think that's the. Well, everyone knows Miles Davis kind of blue. At least well, two copies. Well, I think I own two. four. <laughs> um, but you don't understand. I guess you I, you're not wrong. You are completely right. Sure, there's been games, all the rest of it. But I guess my point is that your average person is now playing games on their phones, which they weren't. Five years right. ago, um, uh, five years ago is a stretch, man. Because remember, it's it's 2012. Five years ago, we had iPhones. Five, yeah, t- five years ago, we had the first iPhone. It's true. I mean, I was playing um, Scrabble on my Trio 650 five years ago. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a Trio 650. Mm-hmm. You know this this well. For, hold on a second. That draw something game. Are you still playing this game? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people I know have actually removed it because it's sucking up too much time. <laughs> well, it's not that it's not that bad. Uh, it's it's an interesting game, and this company sold themselves to Zynga for 180 million dollars. I thought it was like 200 and something. Uh, I thought I heard thought I heard 180, but no, okay, it's a lot, a lot of money for mm-hmm. a game that here's the th- a game like that isn't. Isn't that going to be the kind of thing where it's like it's super cool right now, but a year from now, no one's going to be playing Draw something? Probably. And it's just kind of crazy that Zingo would buy them for $180 million for the one thing they have, well, even though they had 10 games before that not none of which you, didn't even. Not if you think about it, man. Uh, I think Zynga's um, bread and butter, like I think the, they make money based on... Uh, the in-game their, sales. No, well, there's that, but I was going to say what's most valuable to them are fresh users, fresh new accounts. And, you know, because they're constantly pumping out the stuff. And like you say, the uh, the trends shift, you know, and I don't know how long they how, how long it takes them to shift, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months or whatever. But um, while something is hot, they can really, you know, and, and this and, and that app is on however many million devices, 
that is like that's like a little captive audience and you oh, can I see what force them you know what I'm saying you can yeah. force them to watch, look at whatever ad or push yeah. whatever button or do whatever thing that you the minute want they to get do. sick of draw something you have the next thing in front of them right and one of the things the Zynga games do I have a few Zynga games on my phone they they are very aggressive about cross promoting so they say okay well you know 19 of your friends are also playing this game yeah. check this out you yeah. know hey how about this new thing here yeah and so there I mean I I don't know I see it as a perfectly logical uh, I, I called it, dude. I was actually t- having a chat with one of my friends. I'm like, dude, I'll give you 10 bucks. I'll bet you uh, Zing is going to buy this stuff, this game, in, in no time. And sure enough, literally two days later. I just think happened. that's a lot of money. Yeah. I don't. This, those little games, I know you're a huge fan of them. They just mm-hmm. go right over my head. That's okay. It's not for everybody. I know, but they're they're huge. People love that Draw Something game. It's fun. Yeah. You didn't try. Have you even tried it? Uh, I have watched people play. So the answer is no. I don't. I don't like games. See, why do you make such absolute statements like that? I I like. Okay, I don't like. Uh, I don't like simple games that are just sort of things to s- spend time on. Well, you know. But that f- first of all, half the time that's the point. Okay. Well, I know uh, that, but th- that's exactly. I, that's, I like, feel- that's like saying I don't like sitting in front of a screen just just to pass time. You know, like you know, some people say that about watching TV or watching movies. Absolutely. Or some people say that about about like you, know, you could say you could right. use that, that argument works on like everything. You I know, know it's it not a legitimate excuse. Well, sure it is. It's uh, what I'm saying is that I don't. I feel very guilty, regardless of the enjoyment I would get out of playing the game, mm-hmm. I would feel guilty spending my time doing that when it really gives me nothing other than a few minutes. Of, like, I'm, I'm not going to sit on my deathbed and wish I had played more Zynga games. Well, of course not. Right. And so I don't play do you think there are, Do you think there are people out there that, that, that do, would make that claim, though? I think that there are people who will go 10 years from now and be like, wow, I spent a whole... If somebody added up the amount of time they spent playing Draw Something and Angry Birds and whatever it is... That they would said, regret it? You could have been doing, you know, reading some book or building some whatever or learning some new language. And instead, you spent 780 hours playing Angry Birds. You're, and you're saying that they would regret that? I think that they would regret that. Hmm. I think some a lot of, if you really added it up, did, did the crunch the numbers? I think a lot of people would be like, "Wow, I spent a lot of time doing nothing." Hmm. It, it feels like it feels like eating like puffy, like Cheez-Its or not Cheez-Its, uh, <laughs> cheese puffs to me. <laughs> you know, it's like there's absolutely no nutritional content in there, but they're good. <laughs> yes, which is fine at a party every once in a while, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to carry it around on my phone and play all the time. Fine. I don't know. It's just that's. Different strokes for different folks, but sure. it's just it just kind of I just stare at it and I go, "Wow, really?" The world don't move to the beat of just one drum. It's just <laughs> really that's how it goes. What might be right for you, may not be right for some. Well, a man is born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the whole uh, the whole graphics thing in the game, mm-hmm. very cool game. And, Wait, and which is the... Oh, we're, talk, we're back to Skyrim. We're back to Skyrim. Really so you're talking about draw something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very cool the graphics. graphics. Cutting yeah. edge. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole idea that the, it is just basically a more complex version of the old thing, you know. Sure. Um, just kind of cracks me up. And it it kind of brings me into this new Prometheus trailer. Mm-hmm. You've seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, are you a fan of the Aliens movies? Um... Yeah, sure. I think my favorite was the second one, Aliens. 
Yeah, I think that that's a lot of the... Yeah, a lot of people like that one. It still amazes me that that was that was like eighty six, man. Yeah, looks like, pretty good still. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, my best friend growing up was a huge Aliens fan. Mm-hmm. Like in high school, like used mm-hmm. to watch that movie once a week. <laughs> um, I, I've never been a real big Aliens fan, but I watched this Prometheus trailer because some other people I know were watching it. And, oh, look how great this looks, and whatever. Mm. And it does look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really he, Scott, dude. He knows right. how to do it. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, eh. Like, the whole... the whole. I feel like I'm getting old. Like, I don't enjoy explosions anymore. Mm-hmm. And people running. <laughs> and, like... Like, I don't know. I think, yeah. I, know. I think it's safe to say. You're getting old. Is that what it is, though? Like, I yeah. feel like I'm that old guy who, who yeah. doesn't find action movies exciting anymore. Yeah. It's entirely possible, dude. Do you feel that way, or are you still in action movies? I, I I still like them. I, I I they they serve a you know a role so to speak. They 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 play a part in the uh, yeah. in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, I I I guess for me, I I don't know. I get a kick out of the uh, the way uh, a film a movie can can uh, do the whole suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. thing. I'm a big fan of that that phenomenon where. Um, like I think my, my if I had, if I had to pick a good example, uh, like, like like let's take Star Wars just for a quick example, you know w- when when someone can put together a, a you know a film where uh they've assembled the right look and feel and pacing and all of, and, and then from a production standpoint all of the you know the way the way it's been photographed the way the effects have been produced the way it sounds the way the sound effects work. Uh, the way the music works, you know, and, and just this really amazing little combination of all of these things that draws you in. And it, I, I can't explain it. I mean, there's just something really cool about how when you're watching something, it can have a, an effect on you physically. Like, you, sure. you, you know, you can get excited about something. You can get scared. You can get you can feel sad. You know, the, I mean, the obvious one is it can make you laugh. But, you know, making making someone laugh isn't. Isn't isn't as as uh, impressive to me? I think just drop something on their head or something. Yeah, yeah. Making someone laugh is, is is fine. But but like like I can recall moments. I can't give you any specific examples now. But th- there have definitely been moments where I've been watching something, either a television show or a movie, and you know you you feel the hairs on your neck prickle back, or you you know you, your heartbeat's fat, you know going fat. You're you're you know you're you're starting to sweat a little bit. You know. Oh yeah. And that's that's kind of cool, man. That's a neat trick. And, oh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, and so. Um. Not now. I'm not not coming around here and saying I'm not gonna say that uh, these big explosion movies, you know, do that. But the f- the fact that that they're part of the family of things that do do that uh, is still, you know, it's still worth yeah worth checking out. Yeah. Does yeah, that make I, sense? Yes, it does make sense. I I wonder. I wonder if actually though, if you if you took apart this movie, the new movie, shot mm-hmm. for shot. Mm-hmm. And compared them to shots at old movies. If I guess my question is, is the technology actually adding anything? You know, well, or have we gotten to the point where it's so transparent that that you know, in some ways, we're so used to it that it doesn't affect us anymore. I think you're, yeah. I think the the, the, the second thing you said is a little bit more relevant. Uh, I think what's what, what's happening now, and this, and again, I think we can we can identify this this thing, this phenomenon over time, is as you know, as things get more popular and as the technology gets um, more, uh, 
more uh, interesting, you know, more more capable. Uh, people take advantage of it, and and then the, let's not, let's not, let's also not forget um, that that stuff gets cheaper eventually too. Sure. Um, you know, as the uh, a, as the special effects uh, become more uh, reach attainable by the producers, they're gonna they're gonna put them in there, you know, because right. they because they can. And then and then what happens is this there's a, there, slowly but surely over time this certain level of expectation comes up, um, you know, among the audience and among the peers and you know the people who are producing the films and making the films and buying the tickets and selling the tickets and. It's just, I think that's just uh, the nature of the beast, as they say. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, I guess th- th- this comes kind of back to that whole concept of art as editing, you know, that, that, hmm. that knowing what to leave out. <laughs> we, yeah. You need to know when not to use something. It's yeah. I can't you argue know? with that. And, sure. and it's like, it's, I mean, it's like with the camera stuff. I mean, yeah, you could go shoot 5,000 pictures, Mm-hmm. <laughs> But but really, you haven't done anything because now you got to come home and make the choices that you should have made while you were taking the pictures. Um, uh, th- so in the same way with the with the uh, movie stuff, it's like yeah, you can make the explosion bigger. Yeah, you could use this jazzy jazz thing that somebody made. But like, is that actually going to make the final product better? Or have we been in the past twenty years that you and I have been, you know, interested in this kind of stuff? Like from our teenage years on. Mm-hmm. Have we been in sort of the golden age of expansion of visual effects when in reality it's sort of plateauing off now? And it's like anyone can do almost anything anytime they want now. Mm-hmm. And so now it's sort of like the arms race is is we've hit sort of mutual assured destruction, hmm. you know, where where people don't need bigger bombs. And now it's really about strategy and, and how you're using these things rather than just making bigger ones. Hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting analysis. I, I uh, yeah, I, w- I would basically take that and I, I, I the the thing that you said that uh, that I think has the most um, relevance or the you know that's the most interesting to me is is that bit about uh, the golden age thing. Because uh, yeah. I was talking to someone else about this recently, and and we're, we're the the takeaway from the conversation was that. We are we are in this interesting transitional period right now. Like yep. I think the next for the past I don't know twenty years and probably for the next twenty years, um, there's this weird um, transition I guess that's happening where the technology is slowly you know it's 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 catching up in huge bursts, albeit slowly but surely. Yep. And I mean I guess we could we could even make the uh, we could reach <laughs> and, and go so far as to uh, to say that maybe the the culmination or the, the the big turning point or milestone will be uh, your your pal Ray Kurzweil's uh, singularity theory. Yeah, where you know the, the technology and nature are going to kind of intersect at some point, um, and, and then things will get really interesting. <laughs> you know, it's it, you know his yeah the whole singularity thing both excites me and freaks me out a little bit. Sure, I, uh, dude, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine? Let's say. Um, we figured out some way for uh, us to be able to um, read and write brain activity, right? Yep. So, so we, you know, you put put this little hat on, push this button, and then anything that your brain is doing gets written to disk, so to speak. And then you hit the button again, stop the recording, and then you give that hat to somebody else to put on. And when they push the play button, their brain essentially gets put off to the side, and they can then feel everything like everything like the way you're you know 
uh, you, you, the way you feel things with your fingers, the, what you're smelling, what you're hearing, sure. what you're thinking, like everything that you just did is played back for that person. Every right. every sensation, right? Yep. How how cool would it be for someone like like a doctor? Can you, can you imagine what that's going to do for medicine? Sure. Because I, I was just thinking Doc, about it. This like, is how I feel. Yeah, man. Think about it. Because because like how 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 much of a doctor's job is based on a person trying to explain to the doctor what's going on with them? You know, well, I, was, I was just thinking about it. It's like you know, not everybody has the, the same vocabulary for one thing. They can't say, oh, it feels like burning. You know, it's like, okay, well, burning, yeah. that's that's a pretty broad term, you know, like, right. or it feels pointy or sharp or whatever. You know, not everybody has the same way of explaining something. And I, I just wonder, I think back to it, like how many potentially missed or wrong diagnoses have been done uh, based on just that simple factor alone, just just, just like the, the miscommunication, you know, the inadvertent miscommunication between patient and, and doctor. I, I, I think you're... Your theory and your idea is a good one, and I think it's really cool, but the question is, does that kill art? Because the whole point of art is for me to get this thing in my head into your head through some intermediary point. No, no, it doesn't know? kill art. That just that, That's the purest form of art, man. I, that, okay, I me, guess it, okay, the, it kills visual and, and written, like, oral art. No, it doesn't kill it. Come on. That's being too extreme. I mean, the whole point of language is for me to have an idea that's in my head get into your head. It's, it's, a, it's, it's translation. Mm-hmm. Um, the minute I don't need translation because you and I, our brains speak the same language, then, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to talk. We just connect our heads together. Mm-hmm. Just creepy. I, I don't know. I think it's neat. It is neat, but it's just, it's it's sort of, it's interesting. It, definitely. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, the whole singularity thing, that freaks me out. I think it really does. I, I, I think we're going to miss it. You think so? I have a feeling. Really? Just barely. Because Ray is saying what, like uh, twenty forty something? I don't know. That's his guess. I think we'll see. Yeah, his guess is. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know this. This plot doesn't say. I think he argued the. I think it was twenty forty five, and it might come as soon as twenty thirty eight, or as late as twenty fifty something. Okay. We'll we'll be in like our sixties and seventies. We'll, we'll be around. We'll see. Man, that's creepy. Yep. You know. You know. I was Heather and I were walking down the street the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were making sort of comments about things that kids see now that, you know, we didn't see. And, and they're never going to know a world. My 20-month-old nephew, Bert, sees me on on a computer screen, on like an iPad or on Skype. Mm-hmm. And he can see his uncle talking to him from five hours away or 20 hours away, mm-hmm. right? Um, Bert will never not – will never know not being able to see me whenever he wants Mm-hmm. You know, and how that makes a difference. And we were going down the street and kind of saying all these things that Bert will never know. And then I come up with the idea. I said, remember, Bert's going to say, remember when people used to die? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Right. It's it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Like the idea that by the time Bertie is is 60, it's like we will probably have fixed a lot of this stuff. Fixed. Or, or, or that <laughs> I guess the question, the thing is, is that people will choose whether they will die or not, you well, know, yeah, you get to that point there. Then the, obviously this is, you know, this is material for many, a, a science fiction tale. Sure. Uh, there've been many stories I can, I can think of that, uh, that venture into that, uh, that's that, that, that concept, which is pretty fun. It's just, it's just weird that it, it, in some ways the people alive today are seeing changes that are, are bigger than people saw over generations. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, you could, uh, but you could also argue changes accelerating. Think about this though. Think about my ninety-seven-year-old grandma, right? Yep. 
who's born in like 19, I don't know how, what's, what's 2012 minus 97? She would have been born in 1905, maybe? Something like that. So, and, and if we were to look at a timeline, dude, I mean, she's seen some, like, some really crazy things happen while she was alive. Yeah. That I'll bet you, you know. She, she just missed the first airplane. Uh, she couldn't, you know, couldn't have, have assumed or whatever. Like, you know, I of think course. cars were still kind of just gaining popular electricity. Sure. Like, dude, the recording, like the recording industry, you know, like m- music, radio, all, all of this stuff that we, we oh. you know, there, completely there was a guy take for granted. At the, at the at the, one of the uh, Apollo launches to the moon, they had a guy there, this old black man from the south, who was born a slave. He was like 106 yeah. years old. Dude, and it, going to the moon. Like, if you told, uh, no, if you told the, my 30-year-old, you know, grandmother when she was 30 yep. years old in 1937 or whatever... Uh, that they were going to put people on the moon within her lifetime, she, I'm sure she would have looked at you funny. Right. You know? But I think that as crazy as all that is, I think what we will see in our lives is going to put that to shame. Well, you're just being vain. No, I, I just think that, the, I think that, and I think the stuff that Bert will see will put our lives to shame. That I think that the whole thing is just accelerating. There's more people, there's more information going back and forth. There's, you know, more opportunity for all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's 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 a little scary. I don't yeah. know. It's it's just uh, it's it's it feels um, kind of like going. You're going too fast on your bike down a big hill when you're a kid. Yeah, you, know, I th- you sort of get that feeling where you're like, oh god, I hope the front wheel doesn't fall off. Here's here's what I think is interesting um, when you're when you're talking about this. One of the inherent differences between you know my grandma, my 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 parents, me, and then theoretically my offspring, right? So that, we'll say that's like what four generations, right? Um, Across that hundred yearish span, um, the the one thing that has seen a rem- ridiculous exponential spike uh, in in growth is the way that we record history. Um, that is is something really remarkable. Like in the past fifty, we'll say fifty to sixty years, really since since the advent of magnetic tape and, and digital sensors and you know recording technology in general, be it audio, video, computer, what have you. A- anyone and everyone can 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 do it now. Can 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 make a record, so to speak. You know, can can record an event. And in the past, it was much much less easy. You know, it was much much less common. Like the only way that anyone, you know, if you're every the one the one thing that everyone could theoretically do was write it down, right? But there's only sure. so much detail and so many, um, you know, the, writing is a very personal. Um, um, what's it called? Medium, like like yep. you were saying, you know, writing is is essentially just uh, a, a version of language, and so you're basically relying on the person writing to choose the right words and draw the right you know picture for you. Whereas if you take uh, a photograph or roll some film, that essentially opens the event up to interpretation. So you know you, yeah. you get you take five different people, you show show five people the same video and ask them to write down what they just saw, and you're not going to get the same thing. Even if they right. write, even if they they describe the exact same moment, the words that they choose are all, are all going to be different. Sure, um, and I think that's going to have a huge, you but know, the person impact. holding the camera is go, is is showing you a slice of whatever the reality was. So I mean, there's choice there, too. right? But 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 that's my point. The fact that any you know, it's gotten so easy and popular yeah. and simple, uh, and and there's so much, you know. Well, the, your your father was into photography and stuff. Are, is there like Super Eight footage of him as a young man? Yeah. Is it's funny because 
theirs was like the first generation where that happened. Nowadays, kids who were born in the 80s and 90s, oh my God. a every, lot of parents every who had moment the video, of their life is, 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 in, is recorded. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like being able to see yourself as a 10-year-old and an 18-year-old and talking to your friends at age 20 in a dorm room where, you know, um, that all that stuff's going to be uh, just commonplace that there will be record video records of so much of your life. It's um, somebody I was reading and listening to, uh, I was watching this. Oh, that's the other thing we should talk about. Mm. Um, we'll move on. Cause there's a, uh, there's stuff to talk about. Uh, they're watching this William Eggleston documentary the other day. Mm. And they said that, you know, there are now more photographs in the world than bricks. <laughs> that's, funny. you know, that's pretty, funny. and every one of them is different. Is what the guy said, and I just—it's just kind of nuts that I mean, it's and now it's getting that way for video too. You know that that in some ways we'll get to the point where you bring up the equivalent of a Facebook timeline that brings up every single video or photograph or whatever of you in your entire life. Did you see that you new know, uh, chronologically? I think YouTube just posted that new stat for yesterday that um, they've hit the mark where now every second of the day, yeah, one hour of footage is being uploaded right to YouTube. So. You you could never watch no. all of YouTube, and no. it's I mean it's been that way for years now. But like, but that's, like, that's just crazy. It's kind of insane. Every single second that passes by, another hour of footage is is being put put up. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's absolutely nuts. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's 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 scary how much information is out there. You know. Sure. Uh, although the the Brits were going to make a law. Uh, was proposed recently that allowed would allow the government without a warrant to get a listing of any websites you were visiting and who any phone calls you made and how long they were. Hmm. It's like just like, are you kidding me? You know, like really? Sounds like uh, Emmanuel Goldstein. Like the government does not need that much information. Like uh, that's absurd. It's kind of nuts. If you believe that I've done something wrong, get a warrant. You know. <laughs> You can't just like suck down everything that I do and I'm supposed to trust you that you're not going to screw around with it or use it for your own purposes. Yeah. The scary the sad, stuff. Well, the scary and sad thing is that, you know, it's probably happening whether you like it or not somewhere. Yeah, I know. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, we should all be using encrypted email, but hmm. whatever. Didn't uh, your friend uh, who we've interviewed Mossman? use encrypted? Yeah, Mossman uses encrypted email, right? Sure does. PGP. I just wish that I, if, if I had the kind of friends who would use pgp i would use it yeah but it just it's just such a pain in the neck yeah it's true uh anyway hey uh so like i said i watched this documentary eggleston in the real world Mm -hmm. and if if photographers out there knew who william eggleston is he's kind of this you know famous guy from the 70s first guy to bring color photography into the art world or whatever Hmm. um and he does all these like dye transfer prints Mm mm-hmm so the idea is you separate your color photograph into, you know, three different or four different colors. I think it's uh, CMYK. Mm-hmm. And you basically make kind of like a plate like you would if you're doing four color offset printing. Mm-hmm. You then uh, expose this print. It's sort of like you make each layer and then you have to overlay them on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And they have to be like perfect because you're laying like layers of dye on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And it's insanely expensive, and only like one guy still does it anymore. But he used to do all this stuff like that, which is just crazy. But this documentary is fascinating if you can get your hands on it because they watch him walking around town taking pictures, and they show him sitting around drunk with his friend, and 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 just like 
saying it, it's just fascinating certain people because this guy uh he never really worked a day in his life because both he and his wife like grew up on uh old plantation family houses in the south so he just sits around and like walks around and takes pictures you know mm-hmm. and it's just fascinating because it's like wow this this guy is i think he's totally crazy like absolutely <laughs> insane uh Anyway, go pick up uh, Eggleston in the real world, uh, and and you'll see what I mean. Um, hey, you, what do you use for a camera strap? I've had this problem recently. Uh, I'm sick of like your regular camera strap. I use an Optech strap. Yeah, usually. that's what I got. It's either uh, right. an Optech. Yeah, it's got to be Op slash Tech. You know those neoprene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neoprene ones like the what they made mouse pads out of. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I've been, I have a nice thick one with the little rubbery things on the back that you know to keep it from slipping. Yes, um, okay. And then the, I think the thing that's most valuable about it is that it has those nice little quick, off. yeah, the quick release straps on it that I can take it off without a, okay. a big hassle. So that is all true. My problem with it is that the well, first of all, I don't I don't like having I don't like having a strap on my camera all the time, especially when I'm shooting. Sure. And even if you click off the things, you still have these six inch long pigtails. Yeah. You know, on either side, which just drive me nuts. Um, and since I got the new camera a couple weeks ago, I I, I hesitated putting the strap on because I never really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been looking for alternatives, mm-hmm. and I think I may have found one. What do you think about these uh, lens, uh, um, these camera straps that screw into the mounting hole on the bottom? Not a fan. Not a fan. Why is that? Uh, because I think it's more useful to me to have a tripod plate on it. Now the argument is okay. You well, keep if it's a plate be on a, all the time. I do. Um, okay, the argument so would be like, well, if you're using a tripod, then you don't need a strap, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I don't like the things. I don't like having to constantly unscrew, screw and unscrew things into that that socket at the bottom of the camera. It's kind of a pain in the ass. I, I like just having a, a tripod plate screwed in there, nice and tight, and just forgetting about it, leaving it there forever. Okay. See, yeah, I do, I don't keep a plate on my camera all the time. Um, and the the I guess the the advantage to those things is that a it can come off and on easier. Right, because you can just unscrew it instead of trying to do the damn strap stuff. Um, well, the, and the other thing is that um, I don't know. I feel like uh, it, it orients the camera in a way that the designers didn't intend for it to be hung, so to speak. You know, like I feel like from a structural point of view, yeah. like you're worried about it structurally. That's, no, no, but but like um, the the position that it orients the camera. So 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 visualize the camera for a second, and yep. and then and then you know, I think the words you're looking for is upside down. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, ha- having the the camera's strap connections or strap points or whatever they are, there you know, there's two of them, and I think I, I want to say that they are put in spots where they are expecting to get you know the weight of the camera and the lens hung from it. You know, like the camera designers tested that stuff out, balanced it, you know, d- you know, put them there, put them that way for you know with with some intent. Uh, now that's not to say that the tripod mount isn't as sturdy and as solid, but from a again from a gravity standpoint, from a hanging standpoint, I just don't like the the way the upside down camera feels hanging uh, on you know on a strap against me. I, 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 okay. you know, but then again, I don't really wear a camera on a strap that often, so I'm not really right. the best person to talk. You know, you should really yeah. ask someone um, who spends. Hour, like a wedding shooter or an event coverage person who literally does walk right. around for hours and hours with a strap on, um, right. you know, not a strap, you know, wear, wearing their camera on a strap, so to speak. I uh, no, I agree with you. And 
I rarely use, I mean, I guess every once in a while I'll walk around town with a camera, you know, if I'm going out to do something or feel like shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, But like if I'm shooting people in a studio or a a, a environmental portrait, like work stuff, I don't like the strap because right. I like, I'll put my camera down if I need to put it down. That's the thing, man. I, I, I don't, Prefer I, I don't like wearing a strap at all. You know, I, yeah. I have the strap on there just because it's easy to grab and and, and it's handy. Right. Well, so I've I've been looking into this stuff, and uh, a friend of the show, uh, Jeffrey Sidoris, who we had on a long time ago, um, he he liked one of these rapid something or rather like oh, one black of the, rapid, one of the black rapid. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, R straps, I guess there are or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he he has one of those he really liked, but. I, I was, they always look like really bulky to me. Like the strap part of it always looked like really like all that puffy stuff that goes on it and everything. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing just looked a little too like, I don't know, mass market, you know? Um, so I found this company called lens loop Mm -hmm. and they make those upside down strap things. It was a Kickstarter project originally. Yeah. It sounds familiar. Yeah, and uh, they make the strap out of a recycled uh, seatbelt. Oh, nice. So it's material that will never break. Yeah, you know that what I mean? It's like a seatbelt. Uh, and the way, and it's pretty thick, right? Like uh, wide. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to sit on your shoulder and uh, the little screw in thing, and it's got like a little carabiner clip kind of thing. So you can unclip the camera without it being a giant pain in the neck. Uh, and then you know you could screw unscrew the little thing at the mount at the bottom, but they're thirty five bucks, just, which is actually a pretty good price say, for that, that kind of thing. Like a reasonable, uh, yeah, reasonable camera. So reasonable I will price. let you know. I, I mean, I ordered it the other day because the other strap was driving me nuts. But uh, I'll, we'll do a little mini review. So here, not like here's a, one that that um, I could see uh, kind of being a nice compromise, actually. Which is what this thing called the Luma Cinch Strap. I'm going to put a, a link to that down. Um, you, you know that guy, uh, Duncan Davidson? Duncan Davidson. No. He's a pretty interesting fellow. Um, oh, I see. He goes on the bottom and goes on the side. Yeah. It kind of splits the difference, which I kind of... That I could get behind. That I dig. Um, so, um, yeah, he he's... A, he, I, I first heard of him through one of Dan Benjamin's podcasts. He's He's kind of a... I think he was like a, a web nerd rock star for a while. Like he did something really huge in the PHP world, maybe like like okay. ten years ago. Like he was like a, a O'Reilly guy or something. And I guess he got burnt out on that and didn't want to do web stuff anymore and start getting into photography. And then he um, essentially became a full time event photographer like but specializing in like conferences and and tech tech type stuff okay um and and i think the most popular one that he does is uh is ted he's been photographing ted conferences for as as long as i've been aware um you know for a good couple years now and and apparently he's he's doing really well because he's he's you know he's always seems to be always traveling and always working on something um and i guess him and a buddy of his um a couple years ago started this company Luna Labs, and they uh, they came up with uh, these nifty camera straps. I will check out Luma Labs. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and Duncan is a pretty cool dude. I follow his uh, his blog, and uh, he has some interesting things to say. It's 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 amazing that such a simple thing like a strap for your camera can be such a complex 
thing to find and be happy with. I guess. You know, it's like camera bags. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, it's like no matter what you do, you, you always feel like you're compromising in some way. Anyway, the reason I brought this up is because I was hanging out with my friend Carlos the other day, and uh, I told you that he was traveling the world. Did I tell you that offline before we got on the Yes, thing? you did. Okay. So my friend Carlos is traveling the world. He's got his backpack. He's got his clothes. He's, uh, but he's bringing a, uh, the Th- uh, ThinkPad X200 or X210 or whatever the newest ThinkPad is. Huh. The little tiny one. You got one. Yeah. You got one of those with the nine cell battery, which means he can like, it works for like 12 hours or some ridiculous thing. Sweet. Um, and he got one of those Panasonic GH2s. Oh yeah. Those are cute. Yeah. And apparently they take really great video. I've heard that. Um, so he's got that camera, and he's got two of those pancake lenses, those little tiny thin lenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's like a equivalent of like a 28 and uh, the equivalent of like a 45 or so. Uh-huh. And that's all he's bringing. So it's, the, it's this camera, two pancake lenses, this computer. Sweet. And he's planning on creating video uh, and putting it up on this website. I think it's called uh, pitzip.com. Hmm. Uh and yeah, he's got he's got some good ideas. He's uh, he is uh, it's a whole thing. I don't know. It's pretty impressive. Cool. The, the the idea of like just going on a trip for two years with literally like a pair of pants and some t shirts is kind of is is ballsy to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can see that. I don't quite have it in. No, me. you're not the uh, the adventuring type. Yeah, a friend of mine just went through is traveling from Georgia to Alaska. Mm, that's a it's a hike. Yeah. And uh they stopped in Death Valley the other day and they and they camped in Death Valley and they're camping a lot of the way along the way. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at the pictures of them getting into their tent and I was just like, Oh man, if I had just driven for like twelve hours mm-hmm. I'd want a really hot shower <laughs> <laughs> and a fluffy bed. Yeah, yeah. Like I <laughs> I'm such a wuss. You're domesticated. I am. It's like you know what we we don't we don't live outside for a reason. Well, again, past hundred years, man, hundred years ago, that wasn't that out of the ordinary. People, people I know. lived in in the outsides. It's the a, it's a it's a crazy crazy world. Hey, uh, what's going on in your end? Uh, You're working on some new stuff. This is true. This is true. I've been really busy. Um, I uh, started working with uh, a new photographer, and. Um, I'm not sure what his his take on social media is, so I'm going to refrain from dropping any names at this point um, until I get a little bit more well-situated. But what I can tell you is that uh, we're working on some pretty interesting stuff. Um, he has uh, one uh, a re- this really super cool video camera uh, in his collection of, of equipment, uh, and it's something called the, the Phantom um, and for those not familiar with it, the Phantom video camera is a high-speed video camera, which means that uh, it can record video at absurdly high speeds. Uh, and in, in the motion picture world, high speed translates into slow motion. So the faster you can grab frames, the the more frames you have and, and, you know, the slower the, the motion gets. Or you could space out those frames. Exactly. So in the old days, you know, when they wanted to get a slow motion shot with a film camera, you'd what, they, what they'd call it overcrank, 
Uh, I think I think that's over cranking, right? It's either over cranking or under cranking. Well, they you're cranking it too hard. I can't remember. So, anyway, yeah, so you know, right. sixty frames per second. If you record some, fi- if you run the film through the chamber faster at sixty frames a second instead of the traditional thirty frame. So for those not familiar, uh, in, in order, you know, standard video film frames per frame rates are between twenty four frames and thirty frames per second. Uh, in the old school motion picture days, it was twenty four frames per second. Uh, and then when video came around, uh, they rounded it up to 30. Uh, so generally speaking, if you're looking at uh, a video, it was probably recorded at, and it is being played back at 30 frames per second. Um, now, if you wanted to make something slow down, uh, you essentially record more frames um, per second. Uh, so, if, for example, 60 frames per second would, would give you half speed. So, you know, if you, if you have a person walking across a room, the, the shot of them would, you know, walking across would take twice as long. So, it, you know, if it takes five seconds to walk across the room and you shoot that at 60 frames per second, the end result would be a, a 10 second uh, uh, crossing the room as opposed to five seconds. Um, this camera, the Phantom, uh, can record in HD at like 1080 by 19 something. Uh, 1920 by 1080. Something like that. Yeah, sorry, 1920 by 1080. Uh, up to 1,050 frames per second, right. which is... And it needs a whole lot of light to do. <laughs> uh, a lot of light and a lot of disk space and a lot of bandwidth. Um, yeah. It is kind of nuts. Uh, so yeah. just, to, just to put that into perspective, that takes, that takes a two-second event and stretches it out to about 70-something seconds. Um, yeah. Which it just gets silly. It's kind of nuts. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, uh, th- this video camera is not what I would call the most user-friendly piece of equipment in the world. Uh, it, uh, it, it does have a... It's really more of a computer accessory than a camera it, itself. It, yeah, it, it's kind of a computer that happens to have you know, a sensor and a lens on it <laughs> than, yeah. than, than a camera that happens to have a computer in it. Um, and it has some very interesting little, you know, idiosyncrasies that it need, you know, things you need to do to get it to work right, which which makes sense. I mean, it's it is doing a pretty special trick. I mean, that's a pretty neat thing that it does. Yeah. Um, there was a pretty cool video I, f- I saw a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Some guy who bought one of those. He's, that's what he kind of does for like movies and mm-hmm. stuff. And he bought one. And he went out on his front porch and he broke mugs at different frame mm-hmm. rates so you could see what they look mm-hmm. like. Uh, I'll have to find the link and see if I can do it. Yeah, uh, and I think this camera, the Phantom, is actually very well used in the special effects and you know Hollywood business for for this kind of stuff. Like that, that's the that's the tool of the trade for that kind of stuff. Um, like you know, guys like MythBusters and and uh, Consumer Reports, you know, people who do crash test, you know, recordings and stuff like that. You know, to, to slow yeah. things down to see what happens. Uh, I think the Phantom is is the one that they use. Um, so yeah, we were uh, we were, were I got I, you know got my first hands on with one of those, uh, and it's it's just it's just really really interesting. Um, one of the one of the interesting things about the way the camera works is that when you put it into record mode, it actually is always recording. It it goes into this like constant record state, and it has a a, a trigger. It actually has like a little shutter button, if you will. And what happens is, you, so you point the like. So let's say we're we're recording. Uh, we want to videotape a balloon popping, right? So we point the camera at the balloon. We put the camera into record mode, and then once it's in record mode, it it is it is technically 
recording everything it sees to disk, but it's throwing it away as soon as the buffer has been full, uh, filled. Um, so what you do when you hit the record button, it basically puts a little tag at the at the beginning of the record event, and then again when the buffer is full again, which I guess is you know two seconds later, um, and and then it stops recording, and then and then you can play back those frames that you grabbed. <clears throat> If that makes any sense, yeah. Um, it's I, I don't know. I think it's kind of neat. And then, and then and then it is cool. Yeah. And then what you have to do is uh, w- once you have that, and th- and then it's cool because you can essentially offload the contents of the of the buffer, which I guess is like the RAM of the camera, uh, to the disk, which is also super fast, and then clear it, and then and then take another one. So you know, yeah. so if you're doing multiple passes, it's actually relatively smooth. It's really a matter of, um, I mean, it's it's obviously a special use. Oh tool. yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a special tool. And you also kind of get to the point where, okay, yeah, you could shoot this stuff at a thousand frames per second. Now you got to shoot choose which five hundred frames you actually want to use for something. Right. Um, and again, that gets back to the yeah. And the other thing. weird thing is that like um, the monitoring process is a little tricky. Like you know, because obviously, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you can't always you can't really see what you're doing. Um, sure that quickly. So you, you kind of have to like be able to play it back to see what you did to, to, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get something timed right or get something, you know, to look just, just a certain way, it's going to take you a couple of tries, you know, trial and error to, to, um, to get it right. So, so, you know, getting that workflow and the monitoring situation set up is, is a, is a bit of a challenge. It's a, uh, it's yeah, no, it's, it's a very cool tool. I put it, I put the video in the show notes, so we'll, we'll, we'll show you some stuff of how this all works. Yeah, it's neat. Um, it's a, uh, it looks like an old school video camera. Oh yeah, more. it's huge. It, it, it basically, you know, it actually kind of looks like a white lightning. Um, yes, that's, yes, that's what <laughs> it looks, looks like. like a white lightning, uh, like, you know, uh, 800, you know, those old school, the gold or black, yep. you know, X 1600 yep. or, or, you know, 800, uh, lights, those flashes. It's such a, it's such a weird thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's it's uh, a lot of the super high tech stuff looks less high tech. <laughs> I kind of like it, you know, because because a lot of the, a lot of that stuff ends up being like prototypey kind of stuff. Like you know, even the, I mean, the flex has been around for a while, but like some of the new stuff, you know, it's like there's three of them and they're hand built. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's totally totally cool. The um, your mini died. Yeah, my mini died. How that happen? Um, not a hundred percent sure. I've got some some speculations. Um, I'm not sure if I've what's dead. I've, that's the thing. I haven't didn't really spend a ton of time troubleshooting. Um, one of the weird quirks of my apartment is that on occasion, when uh, I guess the fridge turns off, it sends a little kind of like a little spike throughout the apartment. Because you know, I think there's okay. only one or two circuits in this in this apartment. You know, I live in a small apartment, and so yeah. every once in a while, like that'll cause um, you know a light to flicker. Or sometimes one of my monitors will will you know misinterpret that a power on power off you know signal and it'll it'll blink you know it'll flicker so to speak. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, later sometime last week I want to say maybe Thursday or Friday. Um, I was you know just using my and then this is the Mac Mini. I should also preface this by saying this Mac Mini has seen some interesting uh, action uh, in that. Um, I think I bought it in 2006. It was one of the first Intel, Intel-based Mac Minis. Uh, you know, Core Duo, um, not a Core Two Duo. And I, I, it's the machine that I have sitting in my closet, um, 
running, you know, my Usenet stuff. You manually upgraded it, though, right? I did. So, so wait, it's not turning on? You think it's a power supply or something? Uh, I don't think it's the power supply. It does turn on. But okay. um, it is something. But it's not the I think hard it's drive. the the DC inboard or some other you know some other power related component. I think that got fried. Uh, it could ah. be the processor. I don't think it is. But the problem is, it, you plug it in, you turn it on. It doesn't give me the chime. It doesn't post. And the latest circum or the latest uh, symptom is that the optical drive goes into this perpetual power cycle. You know where that the little clicky you know bzz, 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 just does that over and over and, yeah, the, yeah. And, and the fan kicks on full speed um and and sure if i really wanted to i could do some troubleshooting and figure out what what was causing the trouble but at the end of the day i've had the thing for the better part of six years and it really doesn't owe me a thing right <laughs> so uh i have well you know i think this is a good time for us to build you a little hackintosh mini. well Unfortunately, it's too late. <laughs> What'd you buy? I, I my friend uh, happened to have uh, a more recent version of the Mac Mini, um, which he replaced with an Apple TV, uh, and it was literally just sitting around. He was like, "I don't, I'm not, I'm not using this anymore." And and I basically bought it from him, you know, for a pretty nice price. And I took the hard drive out of mine, <laughs> stuck it in his, and. It powered up just fine, as if everything was exactly the same, but but a little bit faster. <laughs> um, so everything's back to the way it was. Uh, uh, so w- wait, is this one of the unibody ones? No, or it, one it, of the it's ones? the last of the of the original design. So it, it was the uh, it's a two thousand nine Mac Mini. So it, it was you know looks just like my like they have the same case, like they look identical. It's just three years newer, um, and it's a Core Two Duo, and it's you know two gigahertz instead of one and. You know, it has two gigs of RAM. It's it's basically just the same exact thing I had before, but a little bit faster. So yeah, uh, you know, I fell into that little trap or whatever you want to call it, where the computer decided when it was time to act, as opposed to me. It <laughs> it's, sort of, it's sort of one of my golden rules. It's like ideally you don't you don't want your the device to decide when it's time for it to be replaced. You want to you know make that call. Yeah. And um, I just I just wasn't in in the mood or in in the frame of mind to have to think about like building a whole new system from scratch. Mm-hmm. And so when this opportunity presented itself, I'm just like I'm Take I'm, it. Just, I'm just going to do it. No, that's a good deal. So yeah, and so I figured now you know I, I've probably bought myself another couple years of of uh, use with this exact configuration. And then when this one, I, I'm not going to replace this with another one of those. Well, actually. It's you know what? Broken. By the time that one died, <laughs> you could take your old iPhone and put it in the place and put everything on it. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't hook up. Uh, the iPhones don't have FireWire ports on them, though. But uh, who knows? We'll see. Anyway, so, so yeah, I my my little my little hackintosh of my own. You know, my my upgraded mini. I, I guess we didn't. I didn't really talk about that. I read <clears throat> I read this. Um, one of the websites I read is uh, acceleratormac.com. Sure, it, it's kind of old now. Um, it used to be a more more popular site um, back in the early two thousands. And um, some guy was blogging about the fact that the these the minis have socketed CPUs. Yep. And if you know if you wanted to, you could upgrade. You could take out you know the one that came with it and put in another one. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there are some restrictions. You know, you, you got to be specific about the, the 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 model that you're, you're you're choosing. But I did some research and I found a Core Two Duo. 
version of of the chip that would fit in my computer. For, I want to say it was like sixty bucks, sure, maybe, maybe eighty bucks at the time. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll you know give it a shot. I'll grab it's like it. Nothing. Try it. It's amazing. Yeah, I'll try it, and you know if it doesn't work, I'll put the old one back in. And it took me a couple of a couple of disassembly reassemblies to to really to get it right. I, I, one of them, um, there was a, just the tiniest hair <laughs> that made it into in between the pins you know I, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't see it the first time and I was getting all these weird kernel panics I'm like what the hell is going on with this I'm pretty sure I did this right um, and then once I had that sorted out I, I sealed it back up and never needed to open it again it, uh, you, it should, worked, uh, you should you should do a little research and try to fix this little thing I don't know I don't care that much give it to me I'll figure it out alright you can have it uh, hey one last thing before we wrap up Did what do you think about uh, James Cameron going to the bottom of the ocean good for him pretty cool yeah Speaking of James Cameron earlier in the show. That's true. Uh, alone going to the bottom of Challenger Deep. Yeah. I That's some scary stuff. I don't know why you'd want to do that. I mean, I guess it's like going into space too, you know? Yeah. Same thing. Different it's direction. Almost, it's just as far. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I just, could you imagine getting in a little tiny thing like that and then they drop you in the water and you know you're going to sink seven miles? Not really. I That's mean, just... I, I don't know. For me, that's like I, I have a little bit of a claustrophobia thing. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not claustrophobic, but I just uh, I don't that doesn't appeal to me at all. Eesh. <laughs> that guy's at least he puts his money where his mouth is, though. Oh yeah, totally. And then there's you the know. whole what's his name Jeff Bezos with his Saturn V engine yeah. recovery thing. Yeah, these rich guys. Come on, guys. Don't you have something better to do? Come on, <laughs> better to do than explore the planet. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, just wanted to thank everyone who's uh, donated a little bit to the show. Oh, yeah. We uh, appreciate it. been a couple it. people and a uh, few people, actually. And nice. it's, uh, it's been very helpful to yeah. defray some of the costs of this. So if totally. you enjoy it, uh, go over to circuitous.tv, read the show notes over on the right-hand side. Uh, is both a link to send us a couple bucks via PayPal, and there's also a link to go to Amazon through our website, uh, which will allow you to uh, us to get a little bit of a kickback from Amazon from everything that you purchase through Amazon. So if you're going to buy something through Amazon, go through our website, and then you will help out the show at the same time. No cost to you. Yay. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of us or send us an email, questions, we like questions, circuitousconversations at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at, at Bill Wadman and at Dan Gottesman. Mm-hmm. And uh, circuitous.tv, as I said, is the website. Website. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next week. In the future. Yeah. Hey, let's do claps. Okay. on.